Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah. I, I need friends. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. Tim, two weeks in a row now. We're, we're back together. I know. I mean, how about honestly, that? Honestly. I know. It's like the band back together. Woo! Yeah. It's the original gangsters, as the kids say. <laughs> no, never do that again. Never do that again. <laughs> I know. That's what the kids used to say like 10 years ago <laughs> oh if you say so tim okay yes yes how's your week been i know the answer but i'm just gonna ask you anyway well it's been one yeah, of those weeks one of those weeks well I, I mentioned it last week i'm in the middle of a remodeling uh job here in the, in the, the house and all that and i'm so i'm basically remodeling the kitchen the laundry room the bathroom downstairs and the dining room and just ripping a ton of stuff out and uh you know i don't have a chance to do much of it during the week and all that but so my weekends you know when i normally would kind of relax a little bit get a little bit of free time uh, those are all gone <laughs> that's what i spend all this time like you know doing some uh, additional work and so we've got a contractor coming out here shortly and so i i gotta get all this stuff done before he gets out here tim's been making me cry guys tim's been making me cry all the stuff he hasn't seen <sighs> all the stuff he hasn't read i'm just like i think we just need to, like ban him from the show for like three months <laughs> I, I, uh, I'll, get, I'll, ro- I'll rotate in the other hosts just so tim can have some f- fun i mean yeah. it's sad all the things he's not gonna see he, i'm just like <sighs> i know I, I try not to talk about it right now because you're gonna start crying on air aren't you like a big baby you're gonna start crying on air i'm tearing up a little bit right now like honestly um you know I'm, I'm gonna catch most of my dc stuff but i am falling behind on comics and this is the one that's killing me you know i am i do like spider-man i do want to go see spider-man homecoming you know at least once and uh i finally just kind of looked through my schedule and i realized that i'm not gonna be able to see it in the theaters <laughs> so that's that's pretty sad it's so sad because i loved it took my, my i took my wife to go see it well actually she asked to go see it no it's like there, there's a woman for yeah, get a woman who for your for your wedding anniversary asks you to take her to go see Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm a lucky man. <laughs> On so many levels, you're you're lucky. <laughs> I know what can I say? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, just a it's a busy time like this time of year. You know, it's just, so not just my work life, but my personal life and all that. And it just kind of sucks because it's summertime, and you know, I just wanna I wanna be able to do more right now. But anyway, I will be through this in about six weeks. So I'm looking forward. I, I, it's a light at the end of the tunnel for me, Scott. Good. At least there's a light, and it's not the train that's coming to. <laughs> run you over well it might be i don't i, I haven't okay. ruled that out yet <laughs> okay just just checking yeah so anyway um tell us about our network scott well don't i get to talk about my week oh i mean if you insist do, do you not care about me <laughs> i thought this was the tim squad cast it's not Is that i wonder saying? sometimes dude i really do <laughs> seriously please scott i'm i'm dying here i'm like i'm sitting here with bated breath tell me about your week screw you tim <laughs> that's all i gotta say uh-huh well uh you know it's my wedding anniversary and my wife did a super sweet thing uh we've been in this house for two years now and my man cave looks like crap because it's where we put all the boxes so she 
she just decided that on our anniversary, she wanted to dump the kids off with one of the grandparents and let's go buy some shelves and let's knock out that man cave. Now, we That's didn't awesome. get it knocked out. I know. I was like, sweet. Um, we didn't get it knocked out completely, but at least, it's, at least it's starting to look like a room instead of a storage unit, which is what it's looked like for the last two years. So, yeah. So, I spent all day. I, I don't know how many pounds of water weight I sweated off because it's hot in Alabama right now and uh, put some three, some three shelving units together and, you know, there are pictures on Twitter. There are several responses I get from listeners that are inappropriate to repeat on air. <laughs> I did not catch those and then you'll have to tell me about them later. Oh, yeah, just just look for the evidence. Uh, but yeah, it was starting to really look nice and it was very sweet of her. And then the next day, the day after our anniversary was when we actually went out for dinner and saw Spider-Man Homecoming and I loved it. Uh, Say with you, know, I mean, I'm probably getting some crap on Twitter from some people, but no, I really loved it. And Brent and Ray's review over on Fans Without Borders was spot on. I ended up live tweeting their podcast as I was listening to it. And Brent was like, did you just do that? And I went, yes, yes, I did. Is it really live tweeting when you're tweeting something that's pre-recorded? Oh, I believe Brent's use of the term meant I was tweeting as I was listening. So it was, quote, live for me. (laughs) So um, all I know is that Brent was like, I guess when Brent finally caught up on all his Twitter notifications, he was like, did you just do this? I went, yes, I did. And I admitted it. Oh, that's cool. So speaking of shows on our network. (laughs) Well, no, no, no. No, I need to ask you this before we move on. Before we move on. So you've got all these new shelves. How many of them are empty? Yes, none. None of them are empty. <laughs> none of them are empty. <laughs> okay, because my next question, my follow-up question was going to be, okay, now that you have these empty shelves, just how many things are you ordering secretly without your wife knowing? And so that you have to go in there and delete messages so that she never knows you ordered it. No, no, the whole point was to finally, I have I had so much crap stacked on the floor. Oh, and I even had two U-Haul boxes from the move that the box had not, those two boxes had not been unpacked. Okay. So that was like the first shelf that I got put up. It was like, here's all my Doctor Who DVDs and here's all my hard case crime novels. And that was two U-Haul boxes and I just went into the first shelf. These things are huge. It was great. So, you know, thank you, Walmart. And, but no, so it, the, the rest of it was just stuff I already had that was just stacked high on the floor. So no, there was there was stuff just waiting to be put into something instead of the floor. R- remind me to send you pictures of my storage room where I've got all my old comic book boxes. You will you will shed a tear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I shed a tear. Let's put it this way. Because this was the thing. Like when we moved into this house, the agreement was we had this little office downstairs and Jamie was like, okay, hey, Tim, you know, you can have that office. You can put the, all your stuff in there. It'll be exclusively yours. And I'm like, oh, this girl's awesome. She's the best woman in the world. That was 10 years ago. And uh, since then, there is much more of her stuff in that room piled on top of my stuff than my stuff. So yeah. See, that that's actually why this is why she called it an anniversary present to herself. Uh-huh. <laughs> was the whole reason we bought this house was that there was a whole second floor in the bottom where all my I almost said another word that you're going to bleep out all my crap could go (laughs) so she wouldn't have to see it ever again and so I've got a big man cave room and an office down there so it's it's just it's all I just have room for it to all explode so yay yeah well someday I'll get my room back but uh... no no you don't stop 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 kidding yourself (laughs) you're right once they they move their stuff in it never gets out you should know this. Did I ever tell you how we started living together before we got married? <laughs> so this is the funny thing. I had a house. And uh, so what was kind of funny is this is like, you know, we had been dating a while. And one day, like I started kind of looking around my house and like I started realizing that she had a bunch of her crap there. <laughs> she had a little drawer, you know, for stuff in the bathroom. And then she had like taken over one of my dresser drawers. And then after a while, I just kind of like turned to her one day and I said, are, are you living here? <laughs> <laughs> 
And she's like, well, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's cool. And that was it. <laughs> so it was like never this, it was never this thing where we like talked about it. Like, you know, hey, you want to move in or whatever. It just kind of like slowly happened. It's like, it's literally like a frog in boiling water. <laughs> and you were the one dying? <laughs> well, I didn't say that. Come on now. <laughs> Don't get me in trouble here. <laughs> of course, that's what I do. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Now, after this episode of Love Line, let's get back to Suicide Squadcast. Yes. <laughs> okay, guys. So we have, we have, we have shows on this network that we, that we helped found. Um, you, you've probably heard this before but in case you're new we do have a dc tv squadcast which is on hiatus right now but there is where brit and ray talk about um all the dccw shows and the interconnected universe on the cw but while it's summer and there's no tv on they're doing fans without borders which is basically their let's talk about whatever the heck we feel like which has been really fun to listen to and this past week they did a spoiler filled review of spider-man homecoming wonderful review for a movie that they really enjoyed i really enjoyed tim will not see for months on end <laughs> but go check it out. I, it it kind of holds a spot of being the very first non-DC review on our network, and I thought it was very well done. So kudos to them. Yep. And then, of course, we've got Chris and Joy over on DC Comics Squadcast uh, reviewing the latest and greatest of DC Universe Rebirth. Uh, they actually took this week off, uh, which was like, thank you. <laughs> I'm already three episodes behind, and <laughs> this just gives me a little catch-up time. So thank you, Chris and Jordan. I take that as a personal favor to me. Nice. And then, and so... You know, that's our shows. We ask, of course, that you go subscribe, go listen to all of them. They're all great guys. They're all great shows. Find something you love. Find them all that you love and give them a listen. Yep, definitely. And guys, and if you enjoy our show or any of the other shows on our network, if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a positive written review on iTunes and you will automatically enter into a giveaway. And what we do with every 10 positive written reviews that we get, we give away a DC trade paperback $15 or less. So if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a positive written review and you will automatically be entered. And Scott, you know what? This might be the second time, you know, maybe in the past year and a half that we have not gotten a review. No, we went. We had a dry spell for a little bit. So oh, I'm you're not... right. We did. We did. No, you're right. I forgot about that. We did have a dry spell for like about two weeks, three weeks in a row. Oh, it was. I thought it was long. It felt longer than if it was. No, it was like it was like that. That was about a year ago, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I think it was like right after like right after suicide. So the right after BVS kind of wound down or after Suicide Squad. It was like dead space. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we have not had a review this week and uh is this the twilight of the suicide squad cast scott oh please stop the debate honestly <laughs> uh which by the way i actually we actually had a listener contact us and and, I, and you kind of mentioned it but i want to say again guys we will gladly accept written reviews on any podcatcher that you listen on we're just saying that for the contest we focus on itunes but if you listen to us on uh, what podbean or stitcher or you know I, th- there are more podcatchers than i know than i know exist but if you want to leave us a review, that's great because there's someone else who listens on that podcatcher who we'd really appreciate the review. It's just that for our bandwidth of our attention spans, which is ever growing shorter, uh, we focus on iTunes for the contest. Yeah. So all reviews are appreciated, even if we don't see them. Let, let's be honest. Yeah. So, all right, Scott, we've done uh, an extra long amount of banter at the beginning of this episode. Let's get on to some news. We got some fun stuff to talk about tonight. We do, actually. Um, I, Actually, the first one was kind of fun because I, uh, Walmart is doing these commercials like be a hero be a classroom hero and kind of you know it's the back to school you know shopping season I know it's, it's hurt it's hurting right now my, my summer is dwindling and oh shut up <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey. Screw you. <laughs> hey. Go ahead. Keep it's going. All part, Keep going. It's all part and parcel. Okay. <laughs> but I saw the ad, but I saw the, uh, the sort of the in-store displays when we were at Walmart on our anniversary. And then I get home and I spend all day working on these shelves. And then I start seeing links to like there's actual TV commercial. And they're cute. But it's really fun because they do Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, but they're all in their DCEU costumes. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty it's cool. Really, it's really fun. Yeah. The one thing I was thought was kind of funny made me think of Brent. Okay. So I, I watched the one Walmart commercial. And like you said, it had Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman in their DCU uh, costumes, which is really cool. But it, it actually wasn't the actors, but but it was fun to see it. And then there was Flash. And then I realized, oh no, that's not Flash. <laughs> I thought it was Ezra Miller's Flash. And I go, no, that's a Power Ranger. No, do not make Brent right. No, do not no. let Brent be right. And that's what I thought. I'm like, oh, Brent's going to Brent's gonna be so happy to hear this. Because <laughs> that's Brent's, you know, biggest gripe about the Ezra Miller costume. No, he loves the Ezra Miller costume. Oh remember? yes, you're right. Brent, Brent loves the Ezra Miller costume and please make sure you it. let him know about it. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> he's had that coming. But anyway, yeah, so that was those are kind of cool. Uh, so it's kind of fun to see them just kind of even building on it, even when it's not tied to a film, you know, just kind of building on the universe. I, I really enjoyed uh, BatmanNews.com had a really good story that had like three videos. One of them is actually all, like a Spanish only uh, uh, commercial. So I would that was the website I, I saw all my ads on and it was it was it was nicely done. Thank you, Chris. That was really good. All right. Well, so let's uh, let's talk about Wonder Woman. Okay, so I mean that's the latest DCU film, and and it's still out in the theaters. And we have some box office updates that we want to give. Now, as of yesterday, and this was reported by Gatesh Pandya from Box Office Guru. So that's yesterday, as in Thursday, July thirteenth. Right. Thank you. And he said his totals are domestically, it's at three hundred and seventy-three million dollars domestically, and it has now passed Spider-Man Two to be the number thirty-two film all time in terms of domestic numbers. And then uh, apparently the next. Um, I don't know landmark you would say is if it can make 377 million domestically uh, it will beat out uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King yeah. so that's kind of the next movie to beat yeah and so what's cool about this I mean we've already said uh, we at least touched on it last week that it was going to happen it's already passed Suicide Squad's worldwide box office it's now officially happened which was at 745.6 million dollars because Wonder Woman right now sits somewhere in the ballpark of 751 million worldwide like we discussed last week worldwide numbers are really hard to stay current on because of reporting and stuff but that's where we are right now at least according to box office mojo yep and now it's actually the number nine comic book movie of all time domestically so and again just as a reminder the reason we talk about domestic numbers only is because it's a metric that we can we can uh, accurately compare one film to another it's the largest market and it's it's a market where we can get the actual data from and so kind of uh, it, it is now the number two origin movie overall of all time uh it beat out Deadpool domestic box office, which was at three hundred sixty-three million, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But just so you know, if if Wonder Woman wants to be the number one origin movie overall domestically, it has to beat out Spider-Man from two thousand and two, the first Tobey Maguire Sam Raimi film, which currently sits at four hundred three point seven million dollars. And those are great numbers. I mean, that's from fifteen years ago, and those are great numbers for the Spider-Man film. And uh, it looks like. There's a, I mean, there's a, there's a remote chance that it can happen, but I think it's likely that uh, Wonder Woman's going to track to about 390 million domestically. Yeah, that's the number because that's what Wonder Brothers is saying. We were reading some stories because 
right now in my city, it's still playing in every theater in town, but it's only playing on one screen. Mm -hmm. But that's still impressive that uh, we're almost two months later and it's still playing, especially with all, I mean, we're about to get inundated with releases. I mean, Spider-Man's out, War for the Planet of the Apes just came out, Dunkirk's about to come out. I'm like, it's about to be like a new, like a big new movie every week now. Yeah, yeah. So we always knew this was going to be a big time where it was going to drop off and and I think that's what's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, 390 million. (laughs) I mean, nobody's going to complain about that. That's fantastic. No, somebody will, somebody, no, don't say nobody. That's a generalization. (laughs) Somebody will complain. That is true. Now, we'll we'll laugh at them, but somebody will complain. Yeah. So you had touched on the whole Deadpool thing and uh, the Deadpool movie, whoever runs that uh, Twitter site. And Facebook. It was was on Facebook Yeah, on Facebook, I'd imagine. And probably Instagram, uh, as far as I know. Uh, They did something really classy. Once Wonder Woman had passed Deadpool's uh, box office totals domestically, they sent out a note and I'm just going to describe it. There's an image where you see the just basically the front chest of the Deadpool costume and uh, he's wearing a Wonder Woman logo on a chain uh, assumed around a neck and then ma- out of his two hands making a little heart around the W and then the uh, the note that goes with the Twitter post says the Merc may be filthier but her B.O. is stronger congrats Wonder Woman you know I, I'm i I'm happy to see like in his era here where we're just seeing a lot more of each of the studios just helping to kind of prop up each other and we've been seeing a lot of that lately and this is this is exactly what they should be doing because it's in all of their shared interest oh absolutely and it's classy Patty Patty Jenkins responded Gal Gadot responded by quoting the tweet and then sending a little thank you you know Gal even personally thanked um, Ryan Reynolds because they were in criminal together so I'm sure they have that connection there I just think that was cl- it was classy it was a classy thing for Fox to do yeah you know at, or because you know that the Deadpool movie handle would not be able to do this without Fox to say so and I just think it's awesome it's it's kind of like when oh God, what was the one where like Star Wars beat out a movie or someone someone else recently had done like someone did a that full page ad congratulating one movie for beating out another one's like record or something and I'm remembering like that's all I remember I'm sure somebody yeah I'm, I'm drawing a blank in that too yeah but someone could tweet us and remind us what it was but you know when studios start doing like these really like classy cool congratulating each other and not being you know little fanboy wars about it it's kind of nice mm-hmm. yeah and and we're just kind of in an era where we need to quit putting ourselves in separate camps <laughs> I mean you know we obviously do that with this you know with this network and this this podcast specifically but you know all we're, do, we're trying to do is just service a narrow focused uh, uh, world here and it's the DC universe and so you know you know that's what we talk about that's what we focus in on this show but you know we certainly don't hate any of the other properties nope I spend my money equally all over the place <laughs> okay uh, the next story involving Wonder Woman I'm personally going to slant this under suspect roof. And I would join with you that. I would join you with that. Would you? Would, would Absolutely. You, could you? Okay. Because yes. uh, when I read these stories, I'm just like, eh, that's thin. Okay. So Screen Rant started off this story uh, reporting, and, and th- this is it. This is all you get in the article. According to production details that Screen Rant has learned. That's as far as they go for citing their source on this. Seems, seems legit. <laughs> that's sarcasm. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Okay. So this is what Screen Rant's reporting and i'm saying don't just take it with a grain of salt i'm saying you know bring the bring the block the story of wonder woman 2 will be another historical adventure prior to the modern day dceu set during the 1980s the film will send diana against the forces of soviet union in the closing days of the cold war production team is expected to remain on board for the sequel with confirmations that jeff johns is developing wonder woman 2 script with jenkins and then um umberto gonzalez over at the rap uh was reporting the story and then it said sources 
is confirmed to the rap. That's all. That's all we get. And yeah. and there's also talk in both stories that Chris Pine would be somehow returning uh, to the film. Yeah. Spoiler alert. He died. So, and I'm going to be honest, I don't want him back. His death meant so much in that first movie. Yeah. It would cheapen it to bring back. Well, okay. So I, I would agree with that. And so let's talk about this real quick here. So this isn't coming from your, your, your typical type of uh, sources that are very much tied to Hollywood. Um, so this is Screen Rant, who, you know, at times has uh, some things that are accurate, sometimes not so much. Uh, I would say with this one, I it's it even sounds like in a the story they're very shaky on the sources. They're not like real definitive on anything. They're just basically talking about production details. I, I would say this. I mean, nothing's in production yet at this point anyway. It's not even in pre-production. <laughs> so Jen- Jenkins isn't even signed on to direct the sequel? Yeah. Well, I mean, J- Patty Jenkins doesn't need to be signed on yet for, you know, pre-production to even be going on. I, no, to be no, fair. I, 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 to be fair, you know, that's true. But we're just saying, you know, even that's not a done deal. So I mean, so production details. I'd say the only thing you can characterize this characterize this as it's in pre-production. It's like pre-production development. Like I don't think there's anything that people are talking about right now that is is locked down by any means. I mean, the film is just is just got debuted <laughs> just seven weeks ago, and you know they're just kind of allowing you know allowing this film to get out there right now and uh, just kind of figure out you know what the overall reaction is and where this thing is going to fit into it. I think if if there's anything out about this, I mean, this is consistent with all kinds of speculation that we've had that others have had about, you know, where this franchise might go. This could be just one example of something that's been talked about. There's probably a number of different scenarios of how this film could be played out, uh, whether it can stay in the World War One era or maybe advance to World War Two, or, you know, this whole thing about going to the Cold War era in the 1980s. I mean, there's probably a lot of different scenarios that are floating out there. So uh, I don't say, I wouldn't say any of them uh, you can completely count on as, as being accurate. I, and I would put this as one of them. I mean, I mean, all we've gotten so far is the only kind of confirmation we've gotten at all is that John's Jeff John's saying that he's working on a treatment for the script with Patty Jenkins. I mean, and as we're about to talk about later, treatments can change, by the way. All um, the time. So, all the time. So, and that's actually going to be a story we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah. So, I, I, I just feel like that's, you know, the, the thing that gets me is some people are reporting this like sequel details. And it's like, it's <clears> not. It's not. It's not. So, so take it very lightly. Take it very lightly. Yes. I, I would just look at this as like, okay, this, this is a fun speculation. And that's all I would take it as. Because the idea, and we'd even talk about this thing about Chris Pine coming back, you know, we'd all love to see him. And even well before the film, Scott, you and I had talked about this, that, you know, the way they could always play this thing out is like, okay, you could you could play the whole, um, you know, uh, son or grandson thing and have Chris Pine play that character as well. You know, that's been done before. We said, well, that's hopefully they don't necessarily go that route, but I mean, they could easily go that route and, and people would be fine with it. So that would allow you to have what happened at the end of Wonder Woman still remain in place and not change, but still be able to bring Chris Pine back. And, and I think ultimately um, we'd all be okay with that. <laughs> it depends on how they do it. Depends on how they do it. Uh, depends on how they do it. You don't want it to be hackneyed, though. No, not at all. All right, a little bit of Justice League news, and I, we mean we mean little. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the week before Comic-Con, guys. The, um, Karen Hines was on uh, BBC Radio 2 talking, um, I don't know, really know, he was on the Michael Ball show, so I don't know what all the interview was about. I'm going to be honest, I didn't bother to listen to the whole interview. I didn't have time, but I did pay attention to the parts where they were asking him questions about playing Steppenwolf in Justice League, and he revealed some details about, you know, he didn't even have a costume. It, his 
entire role was done against a green screen in a motion capture suit. And he he, he even said, you know, they can't, he said, they'll use my facial expressions, my eyes, my mouth, my voice. And he says, and then they'll turn that into, as he put it, the murderous avenging stepping wolf from the planet Apocalypse, apparently who's been on hell on Earth. <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting. And then he also revealed that uh, he never met any of his co-stars. <laughs> I mean, his entire performance was done on a motion capture stage. He was like, you know, I don't know whether they're afraid to come see me or not. And he was just kind of joking about that. He goes, well, really, it's uh, it's because it was all imaginary. You know, everything was being done on the green screen. I love the, I love the over here, look over there. Imagine that. Do this here. They're coming at you now. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, I've seen some of the green screen stuff, you know, with the tennis balls and all that. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, you really have to be imaginative to, you know, to literally act to nothing. You'd have to be. You look at the, the get-ups that they're wearing and being surrounded by the green screen and just actually seeing nothing except some guy holding up some like almost like a stop sign up in the air saying yeah this is what you're looking at <laughs> this is your this is this is where you get eye contact this is where you get eye contact with this big monster or whatever it might be it, it's it's so comical to see it and just looking at the costume the costume looks comical that they're wearing it's it's it's, it's not even not a costume st- it's just a it's an outfit that it's a onesie yeah it's, it's a, onesie a onesie that has all the markers that they will pick up with the cameras and then it'll you know, process it uh, digitally and, and it's all that. Ne- and it's not flattering <laughs> at all no you see everything <laughs> and it, what's amazing about it is like given all that like it just shows you you know what these actors are able to do you know like they really not only do they have to put on a great acting performance but they have to use their imagination and that's got to be so much more difficult like what Andy Serkis does I was, I was just about to bring up Andy Serkis especially with Don especially with War for Planet of the Apes I mean the work that man has to do. yeah I mean because like I think you know I mean be- believe me uh, Scott you've been an actor I've done a little bit on stage as well but it's uh, it's so much easier when you're playing off somebody else it's much easier now I can't imagine Karen having to go and just be in this little solitary space surrounded by all these green screens having to act out this scene and use all of his imagination and at the same time just put on a, a great acting performance you know and especially since it's motion capture it's not just you know uh, whatever lines he's reading off and I'm not even sure if they'll even use you know his voice well yeah but they said he's using he said they're using voice they're using his voice yeah so not only does he have to do that but he has to really probably accentuate and, and exaggerate some of his facial expressions as well so I think anyone doing this kind of job has is, is got to be a, a pretty tremendous talent. Well, and I think Kieran Hines is just, you know, based on perform- performances that I've loved of his. So yeah. good for him. Okay. How about you tell us about this Ezra Miller interview? Because okay. Because <laughs> I need you to explain this one to me. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen because I'm as lost as you are. <laughs> it's it's hardly an interview. Uh, this is a little uh, preview for San Diego Comic-Con that came out of Entertainment Weekly. They do this every year and you'll get like some kind of new image, uh, official image for the movie that's coming out, which is actually a pretty cool image. It's a it's a different angle of the one that we've seen of Batman, Flash, and Wonder Woman uh, again in this underground <laughs> facility of some did sort. Did you see you you didn't see Ryan Haas's uh, tweet? Did you? No, I did not. <laughs> when they released this image, he was like, based on the images that have been released, I'm convinced that 90 percent of this movie <laughs> takes place in this one location. Oh yeah, we've said the same thing too. Because and and that's and that's also to their benefit because they haven't shown us that much. No, so. they have not. But anyway, I mean, it's a it's a cool little image. Uh, I'll probably make it the cover art. But like so with this image, they teased one little quote that they got from Ezra Miller here. And Scott, I need you to use your expertise and your skills to help me dissect what Ezra is saying here. What the hell is saying? (laughs) Okay. Ezra Miller, this is the quote, and I'm going to read it. And and I need you listeners as well to help us understand what he's saying. He says, and I'll quote, he's this really endearing, altruistic nerd. He's the 13-year-old Metallica fan. And Metallica says, we lost our drummer in a freak accident. We need you to play 
drums, bro. I don't even have drumsticks. End quote. What is he I talking finally, about? You okay. figured it out? I figured it out. Okay. Okay. He's saying that he's the nerd. He's the Metallica fan. As in, he he's a fan of these superheroes. Like right. Like a Batman fan or Superman fan. And Metallica means the Justice League. And the Justice League comes to him and says, we, we lost somebody. We need you to join the band. As in, we need you to join the team. It's the, stop right there. I'm in. It, it, it's that moment. That's what he's talking about. Basically, this conversation is his metaphor for that scene between him and Bruce Wayne that we saw in the Comic-Con uh, footage from last year. That's what that means. I finally figured it out. Okay, so so they lost Superman. Yes. Okay, and so in a freak accident or whatever, and he needs, so they're asking him to take Superman's place, and he says, I don't even have Superman's superpowers. That's essentially like, what he's saying. Or I'm, I'm not even a superhero. Right. I, I have a suit that I made. Yeah. I have a suit, but I'm not a superhero like Superman is. Okay, I'll take that. I, I think that makes more sense, and I'm glad we actually figured it out here on the air. <laughs> Literally, I'm, I'm re- it took you reading it out loud to me to go, oh, I see where Ezra's going. Okay. okay. Oh, I love Ezra, but man, he, he can be out there sometimes, <laughs> which I love. I think it's fantastic. I think he, I'm, I'm looking forward to his Barry. I really am. Yes. So, yeah. Just give me the movie. Four months away. Give me the movie. And I, I really like that costume. You know, Brent. Yes, he does. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to take, I don't want to steal his thunder, but yeah, no, it's, it's a cool costume. Okay. <laughs> so, we're, we're bastards. We really are. We are. We are. Is that one of our band words? I can't remember. I don't know. You you can bleep me out if you need to. No, I, I think I approved that one. I think we're okay with that one. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now let's get on to some of the meat of this stuff. This is where we're starting to get uh, some of the early details because stuff is really starting to begin to happen on developing the Batman solo film. Well, because Reeves doesn't have, I mean, he's doing press. I mean, well, really doesn't have to do press for war anymore because war's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's out and, uh, but I mean, there's still going to be some stuff following up. I mean, and then on top of that, I mean, and he also says in here somewhere that he needs to have a little bit of a break yet. But you could tell now that this film is done, he's allowing himself to kind of like sit there and focus in on his thing and, and let some of his thoughts develop. And we've been hearing some things a, a couple weeks in a row now about what his thoughts are about this film. But he had this cool little interview with uh, Mike Ryan with Uprox. And I'm going to run through some of this stuff here. So Mike Ryan asked Matt Reeves if he wanted assurances from Warner Brothers if he was going to be able to have a similar type of work environment that he had on the two Apes films that he did. And so Reeves came back and he said, well, here's the thing. Uh, he's always approached everything the same, no matter what it was. And he went on to say that when you do a small movie, like when he did that film, Let Me In, that movie only costs like $13 million. And he says that to the studios, that $13 million means just as much to the financiers as the $200 million means to Fox. And you're asking people to give you money, no matter what you're doing. And it's a ton of money. And then he continued on. He says, well, here's the thing. One thing he never, ever does is he never begrudges anybody who's putting down money for their movie what it is that they want. And he says, if it's just that if we don't want the same thing, then I am not the right filmmaker for them. And he says, that's the way he approaches it. He says, I, I respect that it's your money. And if at the end of the day, you don't want to do what I want to do, then that's okay. But then we don't have to do it. So I like this because this is basically saying that he understands that the people putting all this money behind a film and the studios that's, you know, you know, basically facilitating the film making. And he's basically saying that, uh, you know, they have every right to have demands and have part of what their vision is be adhered to. So he acknowledges that, that that's part of it. But he also says then if that doesn't like fit with his vision, then he's not the right filmmaker and he's completely fine with that. He'll just move on to something else and that they should find the filmmaker that fits their vision. Yeah, I mean, it's I like that. I mean, I, I think that that's a that's an, a truly artistic way to approach it. I mean, it, with, with also with a firm foot in the business side, which is there are people paying you to do 
do this. Right, it's yeah. both. Yeah. So, I mean, I like that, and I like the idea that, uh, you know, here's a quote. Okay, I, I want to jump ahead, because this is a quote that gets to it, because, like, he he came into Batman, into these negotiations, obviously, with an idea of about what he wanted for Batman, which, based on stories I'm hearing, is exactly what he did when he came in to do Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, because basically he threw out what the original plan was for Dawn of, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And he, this is what he says. He says, look, first of all, you're asking me if I'm interested in this franchise. I am. I love this franchise. I love it since I was a kid. But here's the way in which I'm interested in it. And if you're not interested in that way, then that's totally fine. So his idea was, he went to Warner Brothers saying, I love Batman. Are you willing to let me do this? And if they had said no, then he would have gone, cool. Yep. Good luck finding the next guy. And apparently Warner Brothers responded with, yeah, we're interested in doing it that way. So whatever it was, Matt Reeves and Warner Brothers came to an understanding of what a Matt Reeves directed Batman movie was going to look like. Yeah. And then he also said like when he was doing Dawn for the Planet of the Apes that, you know, at w- there was at actually w- at one point the studio had actually come in and came in for a pitch for a certain version of the movie and, you know, they were suggesting, you know, why don't we do it this way? And he would say, but that's not the movie that we talked about. And he found that when he would kind of handle it that way, they always back down. And so that's just kind of the way he approached it. And so that's that's clearly what he's doing here with the solo Batman film as well. In fact, we get some evidence of that later that, you know, there's actually some pretty significant changes that are happening here. And it seems like it's just because uh, Warner Brothers is being very accommodating to this director. Yeah, because this was a really interesting quote when he talked about, you know, when he said, you know, that's not the movie I want to do. And basically, he's just kind of saying, so are you going to push back or not? And he, he said, I'm always happy not to do something. I'm usually looking for the reason to say no. No, yeah, that's a great quote. <laughs> that's a that's a great quote. I'm also trying to, like, unpack it in my head. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm a director, but I'm always, but I'm usually looking for some way to not direct. Probably because he doesn't want to take any job that comes up. It's like he wants to be choosy about the projects that he picks. So he only wants to say yes to the ones that are really going to mean something and obviously give him the artistic freedom to do them the way he wants to do them. Well, and that's the thing he said, you know, you spend way too much of your time trying to put yourself into something for it not to work. And if it doesn't work, that's a nightmare. And so I like this because he's he's really kind of staying firm with this. Like he's kind of doing it on his terms because he knows that if he's not able to have confidence that the studio is going to allow him to fulfill his vision, that it could become almost like a, a not so fun situation for him. And so he's just saying, well, fine, if there's any kind of like idea that, you know, they're not going to be catering to, you know, his vision of the film, then it's not the right thing for him. He'll go off and do something else. And so I, I like everything I've heard here. Like this is to me, not only does it sound like, you know, his head's in the right place about at least feeling confident that he's going to be able to do what he wants to do on this. But also at the same time, I mean, this, this kind of goes back to, you know, what we always hear about Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers has a long reputation of kind of being a filmmaker driven studio. And, and, and rightfully so, there's been some criticisms of that with a couple of the DCEU films, you know, most notably with Suicide Squad. I was thinking the exact same thing because here's a quote that Reeves had that I felt connected to my thoughts about Suicide Squad. Because C- Reeves says, I can fail for every single reason because of myself. I don't want to fail because of something that I don't believe in in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's like, if the movie fails, I want it to be my fault. Mm-hmm. Right. But on the flip side, if it succeeds, I want it to be my, you know, I want it to be my work that succeeded. And it kind of goes back to David Ayer. I mean, we really don't know how much of that the movie that we saw to lay at David Ayer's feet. What we do know is what he did go on Twitter later on to say, I shouldn't have made Enchantress the villain. I should have made Joker the main antagonist. It just didn't work out. It just didn't work the way. But there were so many other things that, you know, like I personally have issues with in that movie that 
I don't blame David Ayer for. And it bugs me about that movie. And I feel like Reeves is kind of addressing that by going, if it's going to blow, I want it to blow because my ideas didn't work. Not because somebody came in and told me to do something that I wasn't getting behind in the first place. Yeah, so I mean, so that's the, that's the one thing that uh, I was real encouraged to read out of this because it, it kind of reaffirms that at least maybe a maybe a commitment again from Warner Brothers, at least with these properties, to just allow the filmmaker to just have more creative freedom. And I think, like, the thing with Suicide Squad, I think it's equally my assessment on this anyway. I think David Ayer has as much to blame as a studio with, you know, some of the issues that the film had because David Ayer came out and, and owned up and said these were my mistakes. But at the same time, I, I think it's pretty well understood that there were other mistakes where the studio had kind of influenced with that. And it, and it kind of made a, a mixed bag of a movie. Yeah. So, okay. Well, so that was all real encouraging. He was actually also on uh, Happy Sad Confused podcast with Josh Horowitz. And uh, this is where we got some kind of news about what's actually going to happen with the film. Okay. So the first part of this uh, interview that he was doing, once again, he's, he's repeating kind of the same thing that we've reported the last couple of weeks. You know, the Hitchcockian kind of approach, emotional, very point-of-view-driven story that he wants to do with Batman. This is nothing new. This is just Reeves kind of being on message. Not only being on message, he's just consistent. Yes. Well, I can call consistent being on message. I mean, he 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 obviously has a vision for this Batman movie. Yeah. He's on his own message. Let's, we'll, say it, we'll say it like that. Because when I hear people say okay. something on message, it makes it sound like they're, they're kind of towing the company line. And that's not what I get. Uh, well, unless it's unless he's the company so you know but here's the interesting thing uh, Josh Horowitz asked him are you working off of the existing script that Ben and Jeff did from Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns and here was the bombshell he dropped no we're starting dot dot it's a new story I mean it's a starting again and I'm and it's going to be I'm excited about it <laughs> so he was kind of struggling along there wow Matt was kind of not sure how to drop that news I mean but it, it's not enti- it's not entirely news I mean this was reported by Mark Hughes back in March that this was the case. And this was contrary to some of the other reporting we were getting at the time. Uh, But if you kind of look at it here, I would say back in March, it might have been a little premature to call that confirmed because he was he was not at all really focusing in on uh, the Batman film. I mean, he said it several times that he was just almost 100 percent invested in completing his, you know, his uh, Planet of the Apes film. And so at that point in time, I mean, he, he may have had some general ideas that, well, the story that he wants to tell doesn't really match the script. And maybe that's kind of where it was left. But now that he's spending some time thinking about this thing and, and getting into it and starting to work out, you know, exactly what story he wants to tell here, it sounds like he's, you know, they've they've made a decision and obviously the studio must be in agreement with it that they're going to go ahead and basically just kind of reboot the story here and uh, just have it align with what this, you know, the story is that Matt wants to tell. Whoa, it's that that was kind of my like people were talking about this on Twitter before I actually read the story. And so, uh, you know, people were asking for my uh, reactions and I was just being us going I'm not reacting to anything until I read it and when I read that quote I was like even Matt's not particularly comfortable with talking about that right now because all he can confirm is yeah that script that we were hearing a lot about you know at the end of last year it's gone yeah well okay I mean let's think about what's going on here so as of right now as far as we know Ben Affleck is still his Batman in his film Ben it was a it was a Ben Affleck story it was a Jeff John story who is the you know the the co-president of of DC films. So, I mean, so he's he's kind of stepping on <laughs> some pretty important players here, you know, a script yeah. that they wrote. So I, I don't blame him for, you know, maybe not quite knowing how to kind of couch this. But, you know, in the end, uh, if he's able to do 
something that he's completely fully invested in. Um, this is the best thing for us in the end. Hey, if I'm getting that, if I'm getting that noir detective story he talked about last in the last couple of weeks, yep. heck, I, I'm I, I'm game on. Oh, absolutely. Now, okay, so the downsides of this is, you know, we had some exciting stuff that obviously Ben was working on with Jeff. You know, Joe Manganiello was going to be Deathstroke in this film. We have no idea if that's still the plans and if what Matt's trying to do, if if that's going to be worked into it. Oh wait, can I can I jump in with a little speculation here? Yes, absolutely. Uh, oh, and this isn't even, and I can't even take credit for this. This isn't even my speculation, but unfortunately, I can't even remember where I heard this. So please, if this was your idea, you know, I heard it on another podcast. Remember, remember when we saw that picture of Joe Manganiello uh, having lunch with Marv Wolfman? It was on Facebook, like, like yeah. several months ago. I'm wondering if the, after Matt Reeves took over the Batman movie, there was already a sense of like you were just saying. We knew that script was not long for the world, and but we got that Nightwing movie that got announced with uh, Chris McKay, another Marv Wolfman creation. So maybe they're keeping Joe, and this was someone else's speculation. I'm not claiming credit for this, and they're just kind of scooting Deathstroke over to the uh, Nightwing movie that's in development. Right. So they don't lose Joe. They keep the character. They keep that awesome suit they made, but Deathstroke just didn't work for the story that Matt Reeves was going to tell in the solo Batman movie. Right. So I, I think that's I think that's completely plausible because I've always kind of felt like one of the best things they could do with this Batman solo film in potential trilogy is to isolate it from the the so-called current continuity of the DCEU. And what and we had speculated on this as well, Scott, uh, before because they took Ben Affleck and they aged him. They made him look even older um, than they normally would make him in some of these films. So he he looked like an aged Bruce Wayne uh, in the current continuity of the DCU. If you want to give Matt Reeves more flexibility with this solo film and the potential for a sequel and then, you know, uh, and then close it out as a trilogy, the way you could do that is actually kind of go back a little bit in time and go a little bit earlier into Batman's career, probably when he's much more of a detective than than he's kind of being depicted right now. So this all kind of makes sense. And and if that's the case, you know, that helps that helps to give him the, the creative freedom that he needs. You know, it was the same thing that Patty Jenkins had with Wonder Woman. Yeah, because with it being an origin story, you know, that that I had several people who went and saw that movie who never saw BVS. And even though the the bookend scenes take place post-BVS, they just kind of went, oh, like, it didn't even occur to them that there was anything they were missing because the the 99% of that movie was a flashback. Yeah, so so the other thing that I thought was pretty uh, funny about this interview with Horowitz, he had talked about how he got kind of pulled into this film. And at the time, Warner Brothers was being very cagey they went and talked to Matt Reeves' agent and said, hey, we've got this. And they called it a like a general meeting uh, that they wanted to have with Matt Reeves, but they wouldn't really give any details about it. And Matt Reeves is like knee-deep in Planet of the Apes at the time. And he goes, well, that's fine. I'd love to have a general meeting with Warner Brothers, but you know, we'll have to do it after he's done on Planet of the Apes. And uh, they came back a little bit later and they said, hey, you know, we'd actually like to have this meeting with you sooner. And uh, then his agent actually called him back and says, you know, you know, remember that general meeting that Warner Brothers wanted to have? Well, it's really not a general meeting. They want to talk to you about this. And I assume at that point in time, they talked about Batman. And he says, oh, okay, well, I'm sure I can find time for that meeting. <laughs> yeah. Warner Bros. was talking about directing a Batman movie. I'd find the time too. I'd clear my schedule if I was him. Yeah. But it's 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 kind of cool. You could see how secretive they have to be about everything. Well, this is probably Rob, this is probably right about the same time that they knew that Ben was, right. was, was out. Right. And so they were trying to keep, you know, keep everything a little bit quiet at that point. But yeah, so this is, this is, this is real interesting here. And the other little tidbit he gave out here is that he hasn't talked to anybody about any casting at this point. So so any of these little casting rumors you hear, and, you know, he, he actually kind of laughed off the whole Josh Gad thing and thought that was kind of funny. You know, he's saying, at least in his interview, he hasn't done anything with, with the casting at all. And in fact,
fact, if they don't even have a, a story written yet, you obviously wouldn't do any casting. I'm still wondering, though, and this is segue. I'm still wondering if that Josh Gad thing maybe is for Gotham City Sirens. Oh, absolutely. That's what I think. I've always kind of thought, yeah, I've never I've never really connected that to the Batman solo film. But Gotham City Sirens would be a great place to do it. Well, especially since, um, you know, David Ayer months ago teased Black Mask. Oh, of course you want like a turf war in Gotham. Yes. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. So talking about Gotham City Sirens, possibly, maybe. That, Tim, how do you want to characterize this? It, it's like speculation that a lot of people have had that it's kind of fun. It's it's fun speculation. And we'll just we'll just kind of give you the facts of the speculation at this point. Okay. So Catherine Winnick, who neither one of us has really seen. I know she's on Vikings. My wife loves that show. My in-laws love that show. I've never seen it. So I know nothing except for this is a very pretty lady. She posted a video on her Twitter. And you want to tell us a little bit about what that video said? Yeah. So basically, uh, it looked like she was in a dressing room or something. And she said in the video that she was about ready to go run off for another meeting on a project that's going to be announced at San Diego Comic-Con in like two weeks. And uh, so immediately all the speculation, okay, it's Comic-Con. So is it is it a comic book movie related? Is it something else? You know, we don't know. We have no idea what it is. But immediately, you know, you just look at that. And and of course, all of us DC fans, we say, okay, where would she fit in a DC universe if this is what she's working on? Uh, so everyone looks at this and she's like a kind of a spitting image for a Black Canary type character. So everyone immediately thinks that, well, she's actually been teasing Black Canary for quite a while. Since March. Since March of 2016. Whoa, that's right. I didn't even look at the year on that. This is over a year ago. So she had, I think she had actually responded back to a fan account uh, when it came to Laurel Lance. And uh, she had said, you know, she's been itching to try her Canary Cry. She's got her own version with a little winky face. So so she teased that over a year ago. And then uh, she forwarded more recently, just a couple months ago, back in towards the end of May. May, yeah. Yeah, she 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 tweeted out and retweeted that little boss logic image that he made up of her as Black Canary. So again, she was just kind of fanning the flames a little bit, which is cool. So, but uh, you know, how many times have we seen actors and actresses do this? I mean, you don't put too much into it, but you know what? Like, I can I could totally see it. I could no, totally she, see it. Yeah, she'd fit the part. It's and, it, and it's that kind of casting that even we have kind of like griped about on our show that it's just based on the fact that she looks the role. Yeah, which she does. Yeah. Um, and but like I said, I haven't seen Vikings, so I have no. I have no comparison for her acting to know anything. But just based on this boss logic art, yep, that looks like Dinah to me. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, I, I'd say, you know, I, I know nothing about how well uh, she could pull off the character, you know, as an actress. But, I mean, looking apart, you know, this is one of the rare cases. I say, yeah, I could see it. I could definitely see it. So, you know, we should know probably in a week here, uh, you know, if she's going to be involved in anything with Warner Brothers or DCEU. I really think it's going to be that Hall 8. I mean, we're all going to be waiting at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning for that Hall 8 presentation. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here. Yep. All right. We got a little bit of Suicide Squad 2 news. Now, um, we are getting a report here from Deadline Hollywood uh, from Mike Fleming Jr. that the new director that is kind of the front runner for the Suicide Squad sequel is, how would you say this? Wame Colette Sarah? The, bravo. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. So so just what was kind of said in this article is that the studio has been looking at a couple different filmmakers and previously Mel Gibson was kind of like the so-called front runner at the time, but their sources are now saying that the studio is focused on Wame. And uh, he's a director that came out from Barcelona, Spain, and he's been known for, I, I remember the first film uh, he did, which was kind of panned, but it was actually kind of became like a cult favorite, was House of Wax. And uh, then later on, he did uh, Orphan. And then he did a series of like four out of his next five films. Were, were Liam Neeson movies. Were Liam Neeson <laughs> films. So Unknown, Nonstop, Run All Night, and The Commuter, which is coming out uh, 
you know, next year. Those are all <laughs> Liam Neeson films. In fact, Nonstop was his highest box office, which was around $92 million. So he's very much tied to Liam Neeson. And if it just immediately made me start thinking, I'm like, oh my God, could they get like a Liam Neeson in this type of film? This would be right up his alley. Can you imagine? Like, I've it's never occurred to me to see him in the DCEU, but I don't know. What do you think, Scott? Would you be down with a Liam Neeson in the DCEU? I'm down with I'm down with Liam Neeson in general. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm I I, I got no complaints if the, if that would happen. Yeah. It was interesting though because Hollywood Reporter was talking about because everyone kind of went with the story. So yeah. all of that information came from Deadline. And then Boris Kitts over at Hollywood Reporter said the studio is eyeing a mid 2018 filming start. That apparently sources at the studio are telling Boris that Zach Penn has done a new treatment for Suicide Squad 2 and that a new script is going to be written, which is apparently why Mel Gibson is not being talked about this movie, because apparently with the delays in the script and the delays in production, Gibson moved on opening the way for uh, Sarah. So that's kind of where we are production-wise. Like, there is not a script for Suicide Squad 2. Apparently, whatever they had, they weren't happy with, and they basically did a a rewrite on it. Yeah. So now, um, you know, he's obviously, at this point, there's no confirmation that, you know, he would be the director of this. So one of the things that's kind of complicating the potential uh, deal here is that he had just, I think he just signed on to do a TV drama about the the Waco standoff. Uh, This was back. What year was that? 93. Was it 93? Okay, yeah. So he was going to do something on that. But I mean, his highest box office gross was 92 million. Do you think a director would pass on a TV drama or at least postpone a TV drama so that he could do a a sequel to Suicide Squad, which was, you know, up up in the 700 million range? I would think that would happen, don't you think? I think that would happen. <laughs> yeah. So, so just saying. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, it's a big possibility. And just the idea of like how tight he is to, to Liam Neeson for whatever reason. I have no idea why he seems to direct a lot of Liam Neeson films, but man, I'd love to see him brought in. Like that would be like, he could be a great, like, uh, you know, is antagonist the right word for a Suicide Squad film? Uh, well, yes, because all, because all an antagonist means is someone who is in conflict with the protagonist. With the protagonist. So even though they yeah. might be the bad folks, they're still the protagonist. Okay. Okay. Cause protagonist, yeah. Protagonist just means who, who is at the center of the story. Right. So-called the good guy, of the story, but it's not always the good guy. That's kind yeah, of, it's like, not always yeah. the good guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, this is a. I think this is pretty interesting, and and honestly, uh, I I I think I like the idea of Wame as a director uh, more so than Mel Gibson. I, you know, I, as I talked before in one of our episodes, I I have some issues with Mel Gibson, kind of outside of his directing ability. It's not it's not just you. So you know, yeah, yeah. It, I, I just think this is I think this is good for the studio personally. I think so too. Unnecessary. It's avoiding unnecessary controversy. Exactly. And then uh, Justin Kroll over at Variety says that his sources at the studio are saying that they would love to have production on Suicide Squad 2 up and running by March of 2018. So Now, there's a lot of TV news that kind of came out from Heroes and Villains uh, Fan Fest in Nashville. Basically just be like bullet point, bullet point, point, point. So other people are talking about it. You can read about it. There's all kinds of stuff. You know, go read about it. We just don't have the time tonight. But we did want to end on this story. And I had heard some speculation about whether people thought, you know, was it a leak? Was it something from Reddit? You know, you know where was this coming from? Turns out 
out on Amazon. They kind of screwed up, and for the Batman and Harley Quinn 4K Blu-ray release, they already had the images up for the for a little bit, and they had the back box art that revealed that the sneak peek that comes on every one of these animated movies said that the next animated movie is going to be an adaptation of Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Nice. Sweet. <laughs> so obviously Warner Brothers uh, was listening to, what was it, two episodes ago with Brent and I? It was it was two episodes ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When when I had suggested, hey, I'd like to see a Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah, but you said you want to see it as live action. So I was giving Brent credit for this. Uh-uh, <laughs> not <know>. you. <laughs> no. Brent gets to take the victory lap here. Not you. I'm being facetious. But I mean, but this is cool. We've been waiting for this one for quite a while. Yeah. And this is interesting because normally by this point, uh, they should already be revolving back to like when their continuity meets. Yes. Because normally they do the, you know, the three a year, two continuities, one standalone, and Batman and Harley Quinn would normally be the standalone, and then they should do two more continuities. Here's my speculation. I think Gotham by Gaslight is like a proof of concept on maybe starting to do a line of Elseworlds adaptations. Okay. Or is it a uh, proof of concept for live-action Elseworlds? You're, you are trying way too hard. <laughs> it's possible, man. It's possible. No, that's the thing. It is possible because they did Assault on Arkham was proof of concept for Suicide a Suicide Squad, Squad yeah, movie. Right. Um, I'm trying to think what was another well, Justice League Dark. Justice League Dark was a proof of concept for, you know, Dark Universe or whatever we're calling it Dark Universe or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. No, so, I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. My only, um, yeah, yeah, you, because I wasn't on that episode, (laughs) was that I just don't see it happening anytime soon. No, I I never, uh, let's define soon. Soon is like in the next five years. No, it's not going to happen in the next five years. Okay, good. Then then, then we don't have a problem. No, because I think, I I, I think in terms of like um, kind of evolving, see here we're kind of pivoting back to, to the live action films to kind of evolving the genre you know on the big screen and all that at some point in time we're gonna have to do something that just kind of like you know it's add some new some add some new flavor to superhero films and i think warner brothers and dc entertainment is in a unique position where they could actually do that and as soon as they introduce the idea of a multiverse and kind of expand on it then that gives everybody the idea in the dceu that hey there's these alternative realities out there and then they could easily just do these little one-offs and i think i think these kind of things would be perfect can you imagine having like we had talked about red sun you know I think it's completely plausible if you just kind of set up the premise of the film such that you could say, hey, there's a little one-off and what if it was this way? What if this is where Superman landed? Or what it if... Would be, it would be advertising like what Star Wars is doing, like Rogue One, a Star Wars star, a Star Wars story. Right. You know, not it would be, you know, Red Sun. An Elseworld story. An Elseworld story. Right. Right. Yes. It'd be something like that where you get these little, you would get these one-offs that are, that are outside of, you know, like Star Wars, you have the episodes. So, you know, for, you know, the DCEU, those movies that really kind of tie into the the connected universe. No, I, I that thought came to me. It was like, yeah, it'd be like Rogue One or the young Han Solo movie. You know, you do that little subtitle and then you've created a niche for the film. And then there's just so many other great stories you could tell at that point that do not have to fall in line with what the, the storyline is in a DCEU. And then this gives another avenue for uh, creative freedom for directors to come in and kind of tell the story that they want that's not going to, you know, so they're not so tied down. They they don't have to cater to everything that's already been established. And then you can get a crisis movie. You can get in a crisis like 15 movie. Fifteen years, or you can get a Kingdom Come. I mean, fifteen years. You know, something like that. But there's so many great stories you could tell. Like I think this is perfect. I I really hope Warner Brothers. You know, Warner Brothers. If you're listening, and you know, they're probably not. <laughs> they're not. They're nah. probably not. But if the, if they were, man, uh, I just hope they consider this. And you know, they're a big studio, very successful. I'm sure they're 
definitely considering this in a million other scenarios. Okay, but let's bring it back to the actual story, though. Is like, but if I can get like, if if I could get like one Elseworlds animated movie a year, that would be awesome. That, that would be would, cool. That would I would love that. Now you'd have to find the Elseworld stories that work within like these seventy minute movies. But you know, I like it because it adds a different flavor. Like you get the you get like the two continuity movies a year. You always got the one standalone, and the standalones have been either adaptations or brand new ideas. But I like the idea of adding another rail to that, which is okay. Maybe we do like one continuity, one or two continuities, a standalone, and an Elseworlds movie, and it just gives you something else to look forward to. Like, ooh, I wonder what the Elseworlds movie is going to be this year. Right. Yeah. Because I, I, I love these animated movies, and as much crap as you guys gave me when I wasn't here about that box set that's coming out, <laughs> and I'm still waiting. To fi- I'm still waiting to see what the extras are because I already own. No, all the you're movies. not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. That thing's coming. <laughs> that thing's going to be in the in the range of 200 bucks for a bunch of movies I already own, and I owned half of them as steelbooks. So you're really going to have to convince me that this is worth <laughs> it to me to buy these again. And you know what? They have yet to they have yet to prove that to me. So <laughs> screw you two. I'm going home. <laughs> I think you give yourself way too much self-control credit. <laughs> but that's that's a different story. <laughs> anyway. mm. All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think this is cool. And and I, I think this is kind of a proof of concept of, you know, some potential uh, things that they could do elsewhere. So, yeah. Very cool. All right. All right. Well, like, this has been an interesting episode, I have yeah, to a, say. It was a fun one. I, I really was, enjoyed tonight's conversation. I know. I was exhausted. And, I, you know, I've got some energy now. I do, too. Not I much. do, too. Yeah. You know, you know, I got my uh, recording night energy with me tonight. So, <laughs> well, uh, guys, that's it for this week's podcast. We want to thank you guys, as always, for listening to this. And um, we had a lot of great discussion this week and just hope you guys enjoyed it like we did. And then, of course, we want you to jump in on it. You know, it, it, it's it's only fun if we get to talk to you guys. So reach out to us. Best way, quickest way, sometimes the only way that you're going to get a response from us. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. You can contact the show at Suicide Squadcast or um, you can reach us individually or you can tag all of us. And then just, you know, if you just sort of, you know, you know spread spread the seed, it's more likely going to grow something. <laughs> uh, you can reach me individually at ScottDC27. Yeah, you can reach me at Twitter at Alan Fire. And then you can also email us at Suicide Squadcast at gmail.com. If you don't mind waiting. Yeah, if you don't mind waiting. And guys, I, I just want to apologize. I have been missing in action on Twitter. I'm there. I see your notes and all that. And I see some of the comments, but I just I just have not had much time to spend on there. But I do hear you guys. So <laughs> please don't. Don't forget me. Please tag me every now and then. Nah, don't. That's just good. <laughs> it's a waste of your time. I don't know, I don't know what you're doing. Um, also, uh, guys, pro- uh, really quick programming note. Next week is Comic-Con. But we all know that the big, th- the big news that's going to make us lose our minds is going to happen Saturday morning uh, at Hall H. So normally we record on Fridays. Tim works on it, uh, you know, for about 24 hours trying to edit it and puts it out Saturday night. We will, not, we were going to hold off recording until Saturday night. So th- we will be dropping our episode. Would you, Tim? You're the editor. Uh, about mm-hmm. a day later. Yeah, probably you, a day later. Would, yeah. would that be fair? Probably Sunday night. Probably Sunday night. So don't be looking for it Saturday night like normal because we're gonna wait because if we wait if we record on Friday we'd have Jack to talk about yep. so just a little programming note for next week yep very good alright guys well we're gonna call it a night and uh, thanks again for listening and we always like to say you know as we close out this show Scott let's make sure our listeners go out and keep reading DC bye guys see you later
Listen, Ezra, I have, I have, it takes a lot of work to help Tim put this show together. I don't need to spend so much time trying to translate your crap for him, okay? He, he's tired. He doesn't, you know, I, I wonder about him sometimes. But you know what? You, you're putting more work on me. So could you just please, please, Ezra, do me the favor and leave the weird music crap out of your quotes, please? Yeah, just, just let's, whatever you say, just, just say a little more straightforward. We don't need, like, you know, to have to decode exactly what you're trying to say, Ezra. This isn't the History Channel. Yes. Am I right? That's right. I don't have the energy to decode what you're trying to say with your quotes. So, Ezra. You had us coming. I actually want to blow you up for getting me blamed for your singing. <laughs> hey, I don't bl- Hey, blame on the person who can't who can't tell the difference between our two voices. Honestly, <laughs> we we are not the same person. Apple. 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 Okay, that'll help me get it lined up. All right, cool. Um, okay, so... Oranges. Bananas. <laughs> whatever. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs>